Hello there. Old Ben Kenobi. Oh, I'm doing Old Ben this week. Uh, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the Babblers Guild, where we watch and we also review films, and if you're lucky, a few TV series and games along the bloody way. So come on in, take a seat, grab yourself a drink, and get comfortable. I'm Luke, and as always, I'm joined by the UK's leading person who last week stole the Death Star plans and now is going to use them expert, Jamie. Hello. (laughs) It's the longest title you've had so far. Longest title. um, I think I... I mean, I'm a a Death Star plan stealer. I'm a Death Star... I'm a man who stole the Death Star plans last week and is now going to use them. I'm also a cat fur expert. You are. I am... I am everything under the sun right now. Next week, I'm going to be the everything under the sun expert. I imagine. Mm, potentially. potentially. I mean, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to write that down right now while I've got my notes out. Everything under. <laughs> I'm actually writing it down, <laughs> but I'm not actually pretending. Someone's um, going to binge so these, and then they're going to like wait expert. an hour at the end of this, jump on the next, and be like, "Oh yeah, Lovely. continuity." I wish they had that in the Star Wars films. <laughs> Ooh, bloody hell, a bit of shade being thrown there. Um, as you can see by the title, we have watched a little film called A New Hope, or, as some of you youngsters will call it, Star Wars Episode Four. Um, the Last week we did Rogue One, and I forgot an integral part of every episode, which was to um, play the trailer. Oh yeah. So apologies if you're waiting for a trailer, but don't fret because I've remembered. And this week you will get a lovely trailer just before we talk about a new hop. How are you, Jamie? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, I, I have been struggling the last week with the heat, so anyone who's in the UK will immediately know what I'm talking about. Anyone listening from outside the UK, it's, it's hot at the moment. It's very hot. We've had temperatures in excess of 30 degrees. We're going to have a couple of days where it's going to be cool and then it's going to shoot back up again and I do not cope with the heat very well. I have been very stressed. There may be a bit of humming in the background. That is my fan. Apologies to anyone who is put <laughs> off by it. Um, other than that, I've been alright. I've been cracking on. I've been watching some Wars of the Star. I've been... Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been playing some games as usual. I've been working. I'm in my notice period. And that's all there's really been to it. I watched the Grand Prix on the weekend, as I do every weekend that it's on. Enjoyed a little racy race. Um, <laughs> little racy race? A little bit racy. Um, <laughs> was it? My word, oh, well. Lewis Hamilton put those clothes back on. <laughs> well, Carlos Sainz was very hot this weekend, but that was probably because his car was on fire. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> that'll, that'll do it. you can't get any hotter than that. No, you can't. The engine just blew up. It was, it was gone. So was that because of the heat, or...? I think it was just overworking. So Ferrari have had a few seasons where they've not been overly fast. So Ferrari are well known for in Formula One. You know, Schumacher raced with them, and that um, they had so much success. Well, they were always the dominating force, and they had a few years where they were a bit, they were kind, they were not quite on the front row. Uh, but this year they have been, but they've had reliability issues. So they've had quite a few times where the power unit's gone or the hydraulics have gone they've had quite a few dnfs did not finish uh this year so i think the engine just got overworked and it just cooked and went nope see ya as we say at the end of every podcast (laughs) yes see ya that's crazy though that it was just sort of so overworked that it actually like just 
burst into flames. Isn't there like any um, like internal sort of like fire dousing equipment within the cars? Well, apparently not. Well, I mean, probably not because it's all about weight, isn't it, on the cars? No, yeah, it is. I mean, there was there was been a few incidents. So Roman Grosjean in I believe it was twenty twenty went into the barrier at um, uh, the Bahrain track just after turn three, I want to say. And it was a fireball, and he was in it for quite a while, but managed to get out, and he had burns to his hands. But the car- modern cars aren't really supposed to set fire. Um, they have lots of safety regulations. It's not supposed to happen. They're only allowed to use so many engine parts per season, so they're not allowed to just put in a new engine each race. So a lot of the time they'll be driving on a worn engine. If they use more than, I think you can have four of each part, then you get a, you get a grid penalty. So it pushes them to drive for as long as they can on the engine. Um, there's budget caps that have been introduced, so the top teams such as Ferrari can't really afford to, although they might be able to afford the grid penalty at the start of the race, can't financially fit within the budget to have so many each year. Right. Um, so I think it just got to the point where it was being pushed hard. They've had a lot of reliability issues, and it went... So yeah, that was hot. The weather's been hot. Other than that, I've been pretty darn good. What about yourself? Um, same. Very hot. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's it's been. I don't cope with the heat either. Like I I prefer it to be sort of cloudy and jumper weather. That's that's where I feel comfortable. Not sun beating down on me all day, every day. However, I've just got the weather up now. Tomorrow it's going to be nineteen. Which is not cold, but that's all right. And then it's going to be 20. Oh, and then from the nice. weekend, we go up. Saturday's going to be 24. Sunday's apparently now gone down to 28. But Monday and Tuesday are both 34 degrees. You say that. I'm looking at the weather for where I am because we're in a different geographical location. We are. We are. We're got... on opposite ends, <laughs> aren't we? We are. I've got 33 degrees on Monday and 36 degrees on Tuesday. What? Why are you two more? I, I think I'm probably a bit further south than you, aren't I? A bit closer to the uh, Yes, you um, are. You're very, very right on that one. Yeah, and it's going to be 22 for me tomorrow. Well, you said 19, didn't you? Um, uh, yes, 19, 20, 24, 28, 33, 34. Got 22, 22, 25, 29 on Sunday, 33 Ugh. Monday, 36 Tuesday. So, like, I'm not... I win... <laughs> you do win on the heat scale. I'm not opposed to it being nice, lovely, sunny weather. But if you've never been to the UK in the summer, especially these couple of weeks where, for some reason, in the UK we have two random weeks where it's roasting. If you've never been to the UK in this um, time frame, you don't understand the type of heat that we're dealing with. Like, 23, 24 might not sound a lot, but... It's a different type of heat. It's humid. It is. It is. It's, it's sticky. It is. It makes you all sticky. Like, you can't escape it. If you're outside, no. you're sticky. If you're inside, you're sticky. It's not a good situation. And our buildings have been made to retain heat, because for the most yes. part, the UK is cold, wet, and rainy, and miserable. And then we have these two weeks where it's nice, and the rest of the year, it's you, you need the heat in the home. It's, it's a place to shelter us from the elements, but... There is no escape, as Darth Vader would say. <laughs> there isn't, and it just so twenty four is still quite. It's tolerable, but a bit sticky. Uh, but when it's going to be mid thirties next week, oof, not yeah, no thanks. To that. No, well, thank I you. mean Wednesday when we record this, 
thankfully, don't know what it's like on your end, but it's 22 degrees and raining here, so thank God for that. 22 degrees and sunny for me, so as oh. I said to you earlier outside of the podcast, my garden is west-facing. From about 1pm to 8pm, the sun just beats down on the house, and that's right. what makes it so warm inside for me. So if it's cloudy outside, it doesn't really matter if it's 30 degrees. It will be colder in my house if it's cloudy outside and 30 degrees than if it's 20 outside and sunny. Right, okay. Just because God. it's like a greenhouse effect. But yeah, it's the crazy. <laughs> Not it, yes, the heat, the heat. Anyway, less about the weather. Um, this is what happens when you turn into an adult. You talk about things like the weather, washing machines toothbrushes how good your fridge stuff like that it's not interesting but for some reason we talk about it it's weird weird thing um (laughs) i don't what have i been doing oh that's what i've been doing um i went into the school that i'm starting at um and i've filled in some stuff like sort of like met the department um saw like the schemes of work and everything and that was sort of a nice fun day um ryan Klaus giving you the third shout out in a week he did hop on and i did get the ascent platinum so he did yes well done right great stuff a day late i might add <laughs> it was sunday not saturday um but still i've still got it um also you have you been playing um crash bandicoot that came out for on ps plus I gave it a go. I think I was similar to you. Um, I played a few levels and I thought, it's all right. It's more of the same, really, isn't it? (laughs) It was more of the same. I finished it. Um, It only took, like, five hours. It's not too difficult, is it, compared to other Crash Bandicoot games? Now, you say that until you get to the final level. Right. Which is the only level... Yep, the only level that I died over 15 times. <laughs> I think I died about 180 times on that last level before you have to fight um, wow. Neocortex right at the end. Blimey, that's a lot. It was, it's ridiculous because you know the masks that you have? Yeah, yeah. So there's this bit just to try and get to the final boss um, and it's right at the end of the level and you've got to, in midair, switch and use all four different masks so you like you start off with the spinny one and you're flying in the air but then you've got to land on a tnt without spinning or it explodes and kills you and then jump onto another tnt then time it perfectly to jump onto a thing then that thing moves and then you jump up and change your mask and then you've got to use that mask to fly in the air then change mask again to use its ability midair, then change mask again, while also jumping on like nitro boxes with slow motion, all at the same time. And it's it's basically impossible. It was pure luck it that I managed to finish that level. Yeah, it sounds very fiddly and confusing. It it was like I don't get frustrated at games, but I threw my controller must be about three <laughs> or four times. And I had to go and have a break. I paused it and I just left the room and I went to make a cup of tea. And I, I stayed in the kitchen and drank my <laughs> cup of tea. I didn't even go back into the room. And then I went back. It was. Honestly, it absolutely did my head in. Um, but yeah, I finished it. It was fine. Like, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I might I might give up on it <laughs> before I get too deep and feel the frustration. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's quite boring. Um, but I have started playing. I mentioned this to you um, the other day, or oh, it might have been yesterday. Um, I've been started playing um, Days Gone. You have, and you've been enjoying it, haven't you? I love it. Now, I remember when the first gameplay trailers came out at, I think it was E3 2017, I want to say. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I remember seeing it when it was first released, thinking that's my kind of game. Yeah. But and I just never got around to playing it. I, but then I had the opposite. I remember seeing it and going, that doesn't look very good. And then I never bought it, because I didn't think it looked very good. And then majority of the reviews were oh it's not good it's not great but since then the game has been patched to high hell and it's just a good game like it's great just the mechanics of it are brilliant you've um you've got limited fuel so you're constantly on the lookout for fuel to fill your bike up you've got to repair your bike you've got to like search the backs of cars you've got to search buildings for like scraps to like build like molotovs and stuff and the stuff to do with like sound and the um the zombies and stuff because they basically all hunt in packs and stuff they have these little nests that they like live in yes because you can get hordes can't you chasing you yes now i've only seen one horde and it came at me in an inopportune moment um so sometimes you can sort of stumble across like a raider camp and there's this one, so basically you'll see it because um, your character will go, oh, there's a raider camp nearby. <laughs> and then you'll also see um, a sniper rifle laser. And if you go near that, it will just shoot you and it will destroy your bike. And then your bike's <laughs> completely destroyed. It's really annoying. Um, but anyway, I was sneaking up on this place this it was basically in a mountain and basically there's about 14 people in its kill and once you killed them you've got it and then you go into this bunker and the area is sort of cleared and i'd killed about three of them stealthily and then i started to hear some of these zombies which are called freakers in this okay. um, which i think is quite a good name a freaker they're much like the world have you watched world war z yes i have yeah so they're exactly like the zombies in that exactly yes. like it um so they're basically like those, um, and I heard one of them, and I didn't know where it was, and then I noticed in front of me there's a ravine, and I just looked down, and there must have been about 150 <laughs> zombies just all there. <laughs> and then I heard these gunshots in the background, and they weren't towards me. The people in the camp had started shooting at them, and then all of these freakers, in their horde fashion, ran up the hill and ignored me and just ran straight into the camp and cleared it out for me. I was like, well, job well done. Thanks, guys. It was great. That's the only one I've encountered, though. I haven't tried to kill one yet. No, I see these crazy clips of people running and changing weapons and laying fire traps with molotovs and doing parkour. And I think, ah, I don't know if that looks fun or stressful. It's a bit of both. It's weird. It's, yeah. it's like it, it does um, sort of like ride the line of being frustrating and fun at the same time. Because like I said, you're constantly looking for fuel and petrol and trying to think, get things to upgrade your bike and everything like that. But it's um, if you haven't played it, I recommend everyone listening to this, go and play it. It's just come out on PC and it's got like oh. overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam, so might be time to get on that hype train or that definitely that, do that hype bike Ooh, <sighs> the hype bike my word I mean, you know if you could name your bike in it i'd go as soon as i finish this podcast i would go and just name the bike the hype bike 
Yeah, what a name. <laughs> what an absolute bloody name. Right, I think we should talk about Star Wars. I think we should, but first, mm. a, a word from our favourite segment. <laughs> our favourite segment, and as some would say, world-famous segment, The Perfect Appear. Perfect Pour of the Week. Perfect Pour. This week, um, <laughs> what's I on love the menu? that. Uh, what's on the menu this bloody week? Um... I, I was thinking about this the other day. It is um, it is quite funny because I remember on the first time I did this, which is I think second episode maybe, um, I said, whenever I have a beer on the podcast. <laughs> and then at the end of that episode, I just went, oh, I'm going to do it every week. Yeah. So I'd, I ever wander over to Sainsbury's on like a Tuesday evening and I just have a look at what they've got. Like just sort of like maybe special ones, not the big multi-packs and stuff and I just look and I go that's the perfect pour and that's sometimes it. I'll um, go over to one of my favourite places which is called Batch and Batch is an incredible craft beer place and it's sort of a little deli as well so you can get some great food good Sunday roast and they have hundreds um, of different craft beers from incredible local breweries mm. um, so that's a great place. I might nip in there actually this weekend and get one for next week. So it'll be a crazy beer next week potentially. Anyway, um, this beer is very close to my heart. Um, so a long time ago, probably about four or five years ago, I went to on holiday to a place in Kent called Whitstable. Do you know? Have you heard of Whitstable? I have. Yeah, my mum's from it's... Kent. Oh, is she? Okay. She is. Yeah, so great, she will... uh, right. So she might know Whitstable very well. Potentially better than me, potentially. but I have heard Potentially. Of. Yeah, so Whitstable's this really, really nice little coastal town. It's very, very small. Um, me and my girlfriend went on holiday there, um, like I said, four or five years ago, and we completely fell in love with the place, and really, really nice, and it's very famous for its oysters. Um, and it has this pub called the Neptune's Bounty, if I'm not mistaken, and it's on the front of the beer bottle. Anyway, it's a beer called Whitstable Bay, and it's made in um, Whitstable, and it's made um, in a steam brewery. Oh, that's, that's yeah. different. It's not called the Neptune's Bounty, it's called the Old Neptune. What's Neptune's Bounty? What's that from? It's when um, that from, the King Sponge ate a chocolate bar, yeah. <laughs> it's from Sponge... Wait. I don't know if Net- it is, it might be. I'm making that Tunes. up. But I just think of King, King Neptune from SpongeBob. I, I did as well. I mean, Neptune's Bounty. Oh, Neptune's Bounty. That's what Neptune's Bounty is the port in Bioshock. There ah, go. there we go. I was close. So it's called the Old Neptune. It was great. And I had basically this thing called a Whitstable Bay Oyster Stout, which is an incredible stout. But I don't have that today because they don't sell it in bottles. Um... Today, I have um, the Whitstable Bay Pale Ale, um, and it's an incredible beer. You can get it in cans, you can get it in bottles. Today, I've got it in a bottle. It's a really, really nice beer. It's very light. It's quite citrusy. Um, I'm just trying to get my camera up, which for some reason isn't working. There we go. Um, okay, here we go. There's a little oh, boat on the lid, on the little cap. It's a little boat. Here we go. Here's the crack. Oh, it's the crack. Oh, there's a nice little pop there. There was a little pop. Ah. <laughs> that was the crack. Um, here we go. God, it smells strong. Jesus, it smells like a like a like I'm in the brewery itself. <laughs> here we go. 
Not sure if it's even picking up the... This isn't a great pour, I'm not going to lie. Is it not? I'm going to stop pouring and pour from a height just to try and get a bit ahead on it. Um, oh, I think I might have rescued it. Potentially, potential rescue. Okay, the I would say the beer is the beer is coming towards you right now. Um, there you go. It has sent the perfect pour. Oh, I've got it. Oh, that does look nice. It looks it looks smooth. It is honestly. It it's a crisp. very very smooth drink. Crisp is a good word. It looks like it's yeah. It's poured very clear. There's some nice bubbles in it. There's a just the right amount of head. Do you know what I think that? Is the perfect pour. My God, it's the perfect pour. That's it. We got a perfect pour from Jamie. But what do you think? Have a look on the Instagram right now if you're watching this on day one um, or listening to it even, and you'll be able to see the perfect pour. But also, I have archived all the stories of every single perfect pour so you can see the results before. Now, I thought it'd be fun. Actually, before that, I need to taste it, don't I? You do. It's as good as usual. That's all I'm going to say. If you want to try it, try it. Um, I thought it'd be nice to, at the end of each week, um, have a look back on the most recent perfect pour and see what the results were. So, last week, the results were as follows. I didn't think it was a really good pour. It was that vanilla lager, wasn't it? And it had that head that was about half a pint big. Um, so the options that I gave were no, <laughs> no, 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 yes, wait, no, there were the options. Um, no, got 25%, yes, wait, no, got 12%, but overwhelmingly, no, 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 no. Got sixty three percent. So that was not that a perfect definitely, pour, definitely not a perfect pour last week. However, for some reason the week before hasn't even saved. Oh well, or did it? No, apparently not. Oh well. But most of the time, we do get pretty positive results on this. Let's bloody go into it. So, what film did we watch, Jamie? What film did we, we bloody watched, watch this week? We watched Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. We did watch Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, and I didn't make five pages of notes. I made two. Oh. So I don't know what happened last week. Last week was crazy. But before we get into it, I did say at the beginning I wouldn't forget, and I forgot briefly. But here is the trailer for Star Wars: A New Hope. Luke Skywalker was just a farm boy until he received a mysterious message from a princess. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's beautiful. Star Wars, starring Mark Hamill. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Harrison Ford. Boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're going to I think we took a wrong turn. Carrie Fisher. Good luck. Alec Guinness. You can't win, Darth. 
If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. 20th Century Fox presents the most extraordinary motion picture of all time, Star Wars. Here's where the fun begins. No legendary adventure of the past could be as exciting as this romance of the future. Here they come. May the Force be with you in Star Wars. My God. Now, me and Jamie didn't even listen to that. Um, we didn't. We watched the film. We watched the film, so we, did, we didn't need to. We could have cut our own thing. Um, we hope you liked that, and it's given you a nice interlude into what we're about to talk about. If, for whatever reason, you haven't ever watched Star Wars A New Hope. <gasps> the unthinkable. It is the unthinkable. I mean, most people... I think my mum's watched it. And she's yeah. not a film person. And I think she's uh, even watched it, so... I would say my mum probably has as well, and she's not a Star Wars fan. And there you go, you see. It's it's a film that transcends the generations. Um, so what are your initial thoughts on this nice little retrospective of the classic film? It is just classic. And watching it back, what I quite liked was how it had a really good story, but it wasn't... There wasn't too much going on like there are in other Star Wars movies. The story was nice and easy to follow, and it sets up the Star Wars universe quite well. Um, I, I really enjoyed it, as I always have done. It's, it's you know the first ever Star Wars film. We we get our first taste of the characters, and it's crazy to think with how much Star Wars content is out there now that this was almost like an open book when they made this. They could have taken it any direction. Um, so it's mad to think it's got to where it has now from just this one film um, but it's fun, it's exciting I, I can see why it gripped the audiences when it first came out and became what it has today Yeah, I was thinking exactly the same things, like it's as soon as it came on, as soon as it started I went this is just like, this must have I think the first thought I had was, this must have blown people's minds when this came out, like yeah. there's nothing like obviously there's like Star Trek and that, but like there's just nothing like this before. This is no. crazy. It's crazy how good it is as well, and so inventive, and it's like off the wall compared to what else we've got in the past. It was just revolutionary, or, or should I say, revolutionary? Pun um... <laughs> King is back. Oh yeah, I I really enjoy it. I love that film. It's so fun. Um, it's cheesy as well at times, and it is. Uh, I just I can't get enough of this film. I every time I watch it, I love it. Honestly, it's it never it never lets me down. I've watched it so many times, and every single time I watched it, I'm immediately engrossed in it. Um, my first note that I've made is just I love that Rogue One is basically. Everything that the opening crawl says. Yeah, essentially, they we should have known what to expect from Rogue One, really, just by reading through that. It, the rebels have stolen the plans. There is an imperial base. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's basically the whole. Yeah, it's basically the whole storyline. Um, but yeah, it opens up, doesn't it, with that classic crawl, which is great, and then it opens up to a shot over some planets and Princess Leia's ship. And then a star destroyer. It's not a star destroyer, is it? Is it? It is a star destroyer, isn't it? A star Imperial star destroyer. It didn't sound right. 
It didn't sound sure like when it Imperial came out. Star. Imperial Starship? Imperial Star... No, it's a Star Destroyer, isn't it? It is a Star Destroyer, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it is. My brain just farted for a moment. It didn't <laughs> sound... It didn't sound right. I said Star Destroyer, and I was like, that's not a bloody Star Destroyer. It isn't... No, I'm sticking with it. It's a Star Destroyer. And the Star Destroyer following and chasing as the end of Rogue One um, finishes. Now, the miniature work and just special effects in general are insane. Like, it's it's crazy. From that get-go, it looks fantastic. And, like, it's just what an opening. Like, I'm all in. I was all in immediately. As soon as I started it, I was like, this is amazing. It's just all the noise, the explosions, the ships, and the music all at once, and it just it's like an overload of your senses, and you're like, what is going on? I need to know. It's such a good opening. It's very busy at the beginning, isn't it? There's a lot of action. They set the scene where, oh, we are in space, they're on a spaceship, oh, there's, there's fighting going on. It's like there are there are wars amongst the stars happening. Um, Ooh, almost. <laughs> um, and to say this film is 45 years old, I know it's had quite a lot of tweaks with the, the visuals and they've made a lot of edits haven't they since then to the original theatrical release which i should actually rewatch at some point because i do have that on dvd the theatrical releases oh do you um, i've never watched the theatrical one i'll have to send them over to you if i can find my dvds but they released oh yeah a couple of box sets probably about 10 years ago now one for each trilogy before because this was before the sequels were out that don't exist um, <laughs> until we review them until we review the imaginary films but they released yes. uh, and they were the original trilogy had two discs. One of them was the film, and then the other one had the theatrical releases on. So you can go back and watch the original theatrical releases. Right. Uh, and if oh, I can find amazing. those, I think they're under my bed. I can always send them to you, and you can have a... I know you like things like that, watching the uh, the, the old schools and the classics. So Oh, I'll, yeah. Uh, Honestly, please do. Away. I'd love to watch the originals. I've, I've, I've seen like the clips of like where... Jabba the Hutt's just like a a, a big fat man. Yeah, <laughs> um, well, the scene I, was actually the not, not in that. That scene's not actually in the original films, but they recorded oh. or they made one where he was just a fat man in a coat, like a big sweaty fat man. And then they cut it from the movie, I believe. But then they remade that scene with the CGI with the Jabba we know today, yes. and added it in the updated releases. I mean, I was about to say something about that scene, but we'll talk about it when we get to it. So there's, yeah. there's just there's just a line that doesn't sit well with me. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely send those over. I'd love to watch them. So we go into the ship, don't we? And we're with R two and C three PO, and just just real suits, real. They're there, like they're not CGI. They are there, and it, yeah. you can tell. It's tangible. You can feel it. It's real. There's none of this awful CGI. I'm looking at you, Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, <laughs> just going to break away for a second. I saw Love and Thunder at the weekend, and it's awful. Yeah, We're going yeah, back yeah. to Star. We're going back to Star Wars now. I'm not going to talk about how awful <laughs> Thor, Love and Thunder is. End of. Anyway, it was so nice seeing actual real stuff instead of CGI for a change. It's just, it's just, it is. It's, it's refreshing. Refreshing to the eyes. It is, because although Star Wars is great with the CGI and it makes it look so much bigger and, well, maybe not better, but makes it look a lot bigger and immersive, at the same time it kind of detracts from it. Cause when, I was re- when, we were, when we were re-watching the prequels, we both said the entire sets, like all of them were just CGI. You can just tell the entire thing was filmed on green screen. Um, and it takes away a little bit from 
the realness, I think, of the sets, whereas it was quite a bit more believable, believe it or not, in the films that are 45 years old, that they're on a spaceship. Yeah, it, no, it's completely believable. Like, cause it, like I said, it's there. It's tangible. You can imagine being there and holding your hand out and touching it. It's real. It's a thing that yeah. you actually could go and touch. And I, yeah, you, you literally could. <laughs> I love that opening sequence because we get to meet the droids, who are obviously classics now. We get to meet Princess Leia, and we also have an entrance from uh, the Lord himself, don't we? I like the way that they introduce him quite early on, just coming through. The, I the, do. The I'm, I'm surprised he didn't go down the um, the carpentry route, though, for the Lord. Um, <laughs> bit strange. Thought Jesus looked a bit strange in this film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's our Lord and Saviour. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> we've, we've gone completely... Honestly, the heat is affecting me so much. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I mean, you're sending us both a bit crazy. It is so warm. Uh, right, I'm going to focus. I'm going to take a deep breath. Okay, yeah. So Darth Vader comes in, doesn't he? And once again, like I said at the end of last week, Vader... It's so much better after watching Obi Wan Kenobi. He is you. You you kind of for me. I always had trouble bridging the gap as well between Anakin and Vader, and seeing them as the same person. I know that there's the whole they're two different people thing, but seeing that Anakin became Darth Vader, I always struggle to kind of picture that. Although you see it happen when I see Darth Vader in the originals, I think that's not the same person we saw in the prequels if that makes sense it was hard yeah, for me to visualize him that he may have been anakin whereas i think when you kenobi did really well for me to bridge that and break it down obviously kenobi same yeah open and um, you're actually seeing him inside and hearing what he talks about and seeing why he is the way that he is why he's so angry and also why he's like you said becomes a bit slower a bit more um yeah, less less ferocious because mm. he had his back sliced open essentially and his chest caved in. Um, yeah, he did by the butt of a lightsaber. But since Kenobi, he has just a bit more presence about him. I feel, and you feel like you understand and connect to the character a bit more than previously. Yeah, well, not not in the it's, sense it's... that you connect to how he is, but you you can get him a bit more of that. You, you understand the character more. Yeah, I understand the motivations. A bit more on sort of how the character has yes. been developed. Um, it honestly, I, it, that whole scene, the opening is amazing. Um, so yeah, Darth Vader busts in. He busts in. He's like, "Where the bloody hell are them Death Star plans, mates?" And he's like choking people. He's throwing people against the wall. Um, and then we get to Leia, who has just finished leaving the message on to R two D two. And I've written down on here because I thought it was, um, I thought it was really interesting. The re- like the stun ray that they use on Leia. Yeah, we they, <laughs> the CGI is quite funny for it, isn't it? The way it hits her and I liked it. You know what? I liked I it. Loved, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. It, but it like was classic sci-fi. It is. It's classic sci- sci-fi. And I <laughs> forgot that those guns could also have a stun ray. Yeah, set to stun. Well, did. They used it, didn't they, in um, the end of Mandalorian season two, when they had Grogu <gasps> yes, and he was do. throwing the uh, stormtroopers around the room with the Force, and they used the stun ray on him. God, they do, don't they? God, I forgot Ooh. about that. Yeah, um, but do they ever weapon. use it any other than those two times? I don't think so. I don't think you see it much other than them, other than no. them. Sorry, 
I don't think they do. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to point that out because I thought it was quite a cool moment. Um, but anyway, so R2 and C3PO escape and they end up on Tatooine. Um, Anthony Daniels must have been absolutely roasting in Tunisia. Yeah, they filmed it in Tunisia, didn't they? Uh, yeah. In the desert. And you can go and see the set, can't you, if you want to. You can go and see yes, the... Yeah, it's um, still there. It's still there. And to say that he was in a metal suit... And I did notice, like, when you see... It's when they scurry across. So when there's the scene previous, when they're on the spaceship, and the rebels and the stormtroopers are shooting each other down the corridor, like a thousand bolts, blaster bolts going across per second, and they just scurry across, <laughs> him and R2. Yes, they right do. Yeah, it's really good. You can see the way the suit is made. And, and although in modern films, which might be a bit like, oh, that's lazy, you, you kind of respect it in the old films, how much effort we're into. So you can see that he's wearing some form of fabric bodysuit that they've, like, glued cables and wires on between the chest plate and the leg plates yeah so he would have been inside some tight fabric bodysuit covered in it might have been plastic, as well who knows but i imagine they would have used some form of like aluminium um plating so and you say that is it i forget his name is it kenny baker yes uh, yes it is yeah who is actually inside r2d2 as well inside a tin can in the middle of tunisia you know what i i always forget that someone's in r2 yeah it's kenny baker yeah. isn't it yeah he's in i always in forget that someone's in there he's inside operating r2d2 so yes yeah, c3po must have been warm but oh, r2d2 kenny mm. yeah I, I exactly um <laughs> a sweaty man in a tin can um that, that was what he had in his t-shirt um <laughs> The um, saying like what you were saying about like the costume design for C three PO though, there isn't one moment in this film where I don't believe he's a robot. No, absolutely, and that that's what makes it even more impressive is that it's so believable as well. Even with R two D two, you don't think there's like you said, you don't think there's a person inside there. No, exactly. Yeah, you fully believe these are droids with their own personalities that are entirely robotic. You don't think someone's inside C-3PO? No, no, not at all. It's you do just think it's a robot, and I think that's a testament to the costume department, the obviously the writing as well, and Anthony Daniels' characterization of that character, like the voice, the way he moves, every single thing that he's put oh, into spot. the character. It's amazing. It's it, it's it's the best. Um, we're going to move swiftly on. Um, they're both captured by a load of Jawas and subsequently sold on to, um, to, I forgot his name. Owen. Owen, that's it. You know why? Because it's just a normal name. That's why I forgot it. Because it's just a normal <laughs> At least it's name. Not Liam. <laughs> it's not Liam. It's not it Liam. And he's not closing it. He's not, he's not closing any shades. Um, yeah, so he's sold to Owen and Baru, um, and Luke's there also, um, and I've seen a theory. So you know the other astromech. Yes. Do you know about this theory? Is it the one that it's R four P seventeen? Yeah, or and it's... he sort of self destructs himself because he knows that R two's got to get to Obi wan Yeah. Because R four was Obi wans droid, wasn't he? Yes. So I th- I I I think that's a pretty good theory i mean obviously that's probably never going to be confirmed but i'd like to think that that's maybe what happened i like that yeah it's a nice I like little, that as well a nice little theory anyway so luke is now in possession of r2 
and C-3PO, and they have some banter together. Um, Luke takes off the restraining bolt, and they see um, the full footage. No, they don't see the full footage yet. He sees a bit of the footage and wants to see the rest, doesn't he? Yes, but R2 gets stubborn, as he always does, and refuses. He does refuse, and then that's when they take the restraining bolt off, and then he's like, oops, that's not coming back. Obviously, he's lying. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he's uh, lying. Now, I've written this down because it really confused me. Um, when they're at the table, Luke, Baru, and Owen, and Luke's like, oh, I'm going to do one more season, and then I'm going to go to the Academy. What's the Academy? I assume it's some form of college or... Because I've or written something. Tatooine University with a question mark. <laughs> Potentially. I imagine it's... I mean, it was made back in the 70s when they had a lot of academies with the names for like institutions and colleges, weren't they? And particularly in the UK and the US. Um, so maybe it was just him essentially saying, I want to go off to college, but in a spacey way. Right, well, um, I've talk, I've just searched this up, and I've got it. So he must have been... So the Imperial Academy, this is what it says. Um, this is on Business Insider for some reason. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, okay. He must have been talking about the Imperial Academy, the Empire's military training program. Luke isn't necessarily a big fan of the Empire, but he doesn't think that his feelings about such a powerful force in the galaxy matter that much at all. So he wants to go off and join the Empire. So on Cora as well, there's a website called Cora. Quora. Uh, what academy did Luke Skywalker want to apply for that his uncle kept putting off? Luke wanted to apply for the Imperial Academy. In one in in one of the deleted scenes from the original Star Wars movie, we can actually see Luke talk to Biggs, Biggs Darklighter on Tatooine about the latter leaving for the Academy and his plans for defecting to the Rebellion after being assigned to a ship. Oh, there we go. Oh, so Biggs Biggs was a part of the Imperial Academy and then he defected then. That makes sense. Um, It was very common. It was a very common way for young wannabe rebel heroes to escape um, their home planet and receive some combat training prior to switching sides. Ah, it was presumably yeah. very similar to how Wedge defected from the Empire in Star Wars Rebels. There we go. Ah, we've got our answer. Lovely. Good stuff. And if you didn't know that, there's a fun fact for you. Yeah. We've learnt something fun new. Fun facts. They're always coming up, aren't they? Yeah, you know what? That's a really good thing. Now, every time he says that, I'm going to go, bloody hell, he could have been working for his dad. Um, Spoiler, it's his dad. Um, Now, I don't know why I've written this note down, um, but I just thought it was interesting. I'll just put, Baru is wearing a denim jacket and cooking a puck choy. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was interesting. (laughs) Because I didn't see the denim. Uh, yeah, she's wearing a denim jacket. Um, but I feel like they chose a pak choy because probably at the time that this came out, it wasn't a very popular vegetable in the West. No, so it would probably look a bit exotic or spicy yes. again. But now, if you've used HelloFresh, you definitely know what a pak choy is. This is every bloody meal when I used to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, Another we're going to get fact. you. Oh, that's this is another fun, and it was like, oh, you um, do you want to choose to have a fry up this mo- um, this evening? It's like, oh yeah, make sure to have a side of pak choy with it. <laughs> it's like, I'm gonna 
a bloody way from the stuff. Um, anyway, yeah, I just thought that was weird that she was wearing just a regular, like, denim jacket um, and cooking a pak choy. And she wasn't chopping it. She was ripping it apart of her fingers, which was weird. Good stuff. Strange to see, yeah. Then we move on to R2 running away, I'm pretty he certain. Does. They, they he suddenly realise he's gone and Luke has to go on the hunt for him, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He's on the hunt. On the hunt, and um, they come across some sand people, and <laughs> exactly, um, and then <laughs> Obi. What? Sorry, can we get that again? That's great, <laughs> amazing. Honestly, it's like I'm living with a sand person. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but you get to do another noise in a minute. Then we get Obi Wan's weird scream. <laughs> Oh my god, it's like James Brown again, he's back. Can you imagine? Do you reckon anyone's done that edit of um so it's instead of it being um Obi-Wan, it's just like a James Brown I scream. Imagine, it's James I imagine Brown. they've done it with R2 as well. Um, oh god, I'd have to have a look and find out at some point. That is another thing to have a look at. But yeah, so O2 goes missing. They basically all get cornered, Luke gets knocked out um, by some Tuscan raiders. Then Obi-Wan turns up and does this weird scream and i don't it's a weird creative choice and he's got this big, um, he's got like his, his dad's clothes on like you know when you're wearing does, your dad's clothes his... as a kid and they're all baggy and he's just flopping them about it's, in his sleep it's not his dad's it's qui-gon jinn's <laughs> oh. he's like oh master qui-gon he's like oh or whatever the noise is <laughs> It's I just the way it's all it. flopping about and he's coming across in this massive floppy gown. like It's like an oversized Jawa. He, yeah, he does look like an oversized Jawa or like a reject from a circus. That's what he looks Ooh. like, like a strange clown. And then he takes his hood off and he says, Hello there. It's so good. He does. Hello there. <laughs> the classic so that's, original. So we've got it three times. We've got three hello there's. Ewan McGregor's out-trumping him two to one at the moment, so... Yeah, we've got yeah. So with you and we've got the general Kenobi. We've got when he says it to Luke as well as a child, and then he says it again to Luke later on, doesn't he? Hello there. <laughs> Great. Honestly, it's a, I loved it. I completely forgot that he said it as well. The um, when he's looking at Obi Wan, I'm talking about when he looks at R two, and he you can sort of see in his face that he sort of recognizes who it is. The look on his face, he's like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I here thought I got go. rid of you. <laughs> he's like, here we go. And again. R2 will know exactly who he is. Uh, who he is. He'll know who Luke is. He, R2 he knows will. everything. C3PO had his mind wiped, so he doesn't have a clue. He's but like, oh, it's the everything. master. Master can open. None of that, because he had his mind wiped. R2 or the other ads probably thinking, sup, it's me, your boy. <laughs> sup, it's me, your boy. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a text for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> text? Can you imagine? I've got, I've got a text. A text. <laughs> <laughs> got, uh, Star Wars Love Island, my word. <laughs> be, you know what? I'd watch it. That'd be a great show. But he says, doesn't he? He's like, I don't seem to ever remember owning a droid. And because Luke says, he always says he, he's your droid. But when he says, I don't seem to ever remember owning a droid, the initial thought is he's trying to claim that he doesn't know R2 or doesn't own him. But people yeah. have said now what he's actually trying to say is R2 can't be owned. He's too independent. I never, I've never owned this droid. He, he is R2. He does his own thing. Right. Now you see, see, I've read like different things, and it's like technically he hasn't owned any of those two droids because they weren't his. That's true. Yeah, they weren't. That's were what they? I've they were. read. They R2 actually... was Anakin's, wasn't he? 
Well, and so was C three PO, but he yeah, built well, it. He built C three PO, yeah. Um, and Bail Organa placed uh, Jimmy Smith. Sorry, Jimmy Smiths placed the <laughs> yeah, droids. Not, who's Bail Organa? <laughs> Jimmy Smiths placed the droids in the care of just someone on the ship, didn't he? At the end of episode yes. three, just some random guy, and said, "Have the protocol droids mind wiped." <laughs> Which they needed to do for continuity, but R2 doesn't really say anything as such, doesn't he? So Yeah, so he doesn't really need to get anything. He doesn't wide. care. He doesn't care. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> care about anything, does he? He's just he's no. um, a law unto himself. So C3PO's arm's been taken off, but apparently that doesn't matter because it gets fixed in the next scene. Um, he has a lovely, lovely oil bath or something, and then they unlock the well C3 not C3PO R2D2 plays the full message of Princess Leia and um basically it's a call it's a call for an adventure or as Obi-Wan calls it a crusade in this film. Um and I've just written down Obi-Wan has a moment where he's where his face just lights up and internally you can say you can see that he's just like Yes Some action yes! finally <laughs> He's <laughs> loving it. I'm going on an adventure with the boys. He's absolutely <laughs> loving every single moment. And then we get a bit of Grand Moff Tarkin. We do. Get a bit of Grand Moff Tarkin. He comes in. A load of stuff happens. It's only a very slight bit of Tarkin. But then we cut back to Luke and they're fine like the Jawas, don't they? And they've all been slaughtered. And he's yeah. like, oh, it's uh, it's too accurate. It's It's got to be Imperial Stormtroopers. But as we know, they're not and accurate. as the popular theory goes... Stormtroopers can't shoot. No. So the popular theory is that it was actually Boba Fett. It was, because, uh, and we'll probably discuss this next week, but when Darth Vader sends them on a mission, uh, sends Boba Fett on a mission, he says to him, and this time, no disintegrations, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Because, spoiler alert, (laughs) Owen and Brew can't disintegrate. Yes, they have um, their skin... And muscles have all been disintegrated, and they're just two smoky skeletons. Yeah, because Luke puts two, two and two together. They, whoever did this, was looking for the droids, which will mean they know. He says, "Oh, they'll know the, uh, how to get home or something." So he runs back home and ooh, sizzle. Oh, sizzle! Honestly, it's like uh, it's like I was um, it's like I was using my George Foreman. Um, it, was, it was a great time. So yeah, so that probably was Boba Fett, but we'll never know because that'll probably never get um, never get confirmed. Who knows? Then we go on to Tatooine, uh, not Tatooine. We go to Mos Eisley, yes, and we do. have the world famous cantina scene. Now it is; it's so bloody good. Now, just all the designs of the aliens in there and everything that goes on is brilliant. And then the two blokes, they turn up again from Rogue One and he gets his hand chopped off. I don't like you either. (laughs) It's honestly, that scene is incredible. But I think the best part about it is that they're like, oh, he doesn't like you. I don't like you either. And he's like, oh, sorry. And then he, Obi-Wan's like, oh, he shut up, mate. And he gets his lightsaber (laughs) out. And, he and everyone just <laughs> yeah, yeah everyone stops, looks, and then just gets back to normal. They realise that oh, that's a Jedi. I'm not getting involved. Yeah, yeah like yeah, no, like nobody on. nobody bats an eyelid at it. It's great. Um, and then I've just put Han Solo is the best. So he, we see him chatting to Greedo, don't we? Oh no, we don't yet. No, I'm jumping ahead. 
That doesn't he's, happen right away. Um, he's, he's just sat at a table, isn't he? Yeah, and Chewie takes them over to him, doesn't he? Yes. Because they're looking for a ship. They have a bit of haggling, don't they? And he's just sat there with his feet up, arms stretched out, cool as anything in his waistcoat. Cool as a bloody cucumber. So basically they're trying to find a ship to get to Walderon, and they find um, Chewbacca who says, oh, I'm with this smuggler guy and he can get you there. So they basically they go over and they end up offering, what is it, like 17,000 yeah, 17, public 000. credits or something? I think they offer a bit less, but Han Solo says that's what you've got to pay. And he says to Chewie afterwards, you know, they seem desperate, so why not Why not yeah, have something so... along those lines? Why not hustle them, which yeah. is exactly what they do. Anyway, that's all agreed to, and then we get the classic, who shot first, Han or Greedo? Who shot first, Jamie? I'm saying Han shot first. I'm saying Han shot it's first. But um, I'm also going to say that um, I've got actually a really fun... I, I'm not going to say it straight away. Um, so for some reason, now this is a great story. Now, I only know this because of um, the YouTube channel and podcast, The Weekly Planet. Now, um when George Lucas sold Star Wars to Disney, he only sold them one version of the films. Yes. So apparently that. they don't own the original cuts of the films. They only own what you can watch on Disney+. Plus. Okay? Yeah. Now, in every other version, every single other version of A New Hope, Greedo doesn't say anything before he dies apart from the version on Disney Plus now did you watch Disney Plus I did watch it on Disney Plus did you hear what Greedo says before he gets shot no I I don't think I was fully paying attention at that moment (laughs) I think I lost focus for just that bit because I've seen that scene so many times now you should know this because it's um it's from a popular show that you watch. Um, now, bearing in mind this isn't in any other version, George Lucas just thought, I'm going to put this in. Um, before he dies, he says, McClunky. 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 Where do I know that from? It's in EastEnders. Yeah! <laughs> yes, McClunky's is the chicken shop in EastEnders. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Did he put that in just to troll Disney? I don't know, but but for some reason, honestly, you need to go back and watch it. Greedo just I goes McClunky, <laughs> and I have no idea. He why. wants his fried chicken. He does. But You're a long way from Wolford, he... mate. He's <laughs> a long way from Wolford. Honestly, as soon as he said it, and the first time I watched it, I went, "That's a chicken shop in EastEnders." <laughs> and I have no idea. Intergalactic fried chicken. It honestly is. Now, I have no idea why George Lucas put him saying McClunky in. But, you know, just like EastEnders, it's poetry, it rhymes. There we go. Great stuff. Uh, I just thought it was a nice little little moment for us to have. Fun Um, fact. It is a fun fact. Second fun fact today. Yeah, McClunky's is the chicken shop in EastEnders that Greedo has obviously been to and is obsessed with. He can't stop talking about it. Greedo absolutely loves it. He wanted it for his he's, last meal. <laughs> obviously, he's going to nip into the Queen Vic for a quick pint, and then that's that's that's. Your, I, was, I was about to say that's your bunion, but that's not a <laughs> sentence. No, that's not even a saying. Um, but anyway, it is now. That's your bunion. Um, I don't think 
talking about edits, any of the George Lucas edits are particularly bad apart from Jabba. Yeah. It doesn't look fantastic, does it? It doesn't look fantastic, especially when Han walks over his tail. Yes, I have seen that. that. It looks horrific. It, it was just awful. lazy. Just lazy. It looked like they did it in about two seconds. Yeah, they probably went, oh, remember that old deleted scene we have where Han talks to Jabba? Well, we've actually got a model for Jabba now, CGI model. Whack it in, oh. why not? Don't put it in. Don't put it in at all. Well, they did. <laughs> and it was Idiots. not worth it. My next note simply just says, Jimmy Smith dies. <laughs> uh, I don't care about anyone else in Old Run. For Jimmy the uninitiated... Smith. Jimmy Smith's dead. They're trying to break Leia, aren't they? So they bring her to the, well, I suppose, the bridge of the Death Star, the control room, and give the order to blow up Alderaan because she lies and says the rebel base is on Dantooine, which it's not. It's not on Dantooine, not at all. No. So she lies, and then they see, well, Vader sees through it and kill poor Jimmy Smith's. He does, and Tarkin says his famous line, you may fire when ready, which seems to be his catchphrase, apparently. Seems to be his only line in the film, really. <laughs> it does. It does, honestly. Any, he says anything, it a few times. Anytime anybody asks, he says, oh, you ready for your coffee now? Oh, you may fire when ready. It's like, it's like <laughs> Shall you we have a stop saying that line. <laughs> you may fire when ready. <laughs> you may fire when ready. It's, um, he just needs to stop saying it immediately. But yeah, um, Alderaan gets blown up. Um, Luke and that arrive. And they're like, oh, that's no moon. Um, and it turns out that the Death Star's there and it's just blown Alderaan up. They get tractor-beamed onto the Death Star. Shoot. They disgu- yeah, they disguise themselves as stormtroopers. And it's great. It's so good. They disguise themselves as stormtroopers. And that is such... I've wrote this down. I don't like saying it that much, this word. But it is iconic. It really is. And you know they're doing it. You know they've got a plan. And it's when they try and get in touch with the stormtroopers, so the Imperial team, whatever you want to call it, and he steps out of the Millennium Falcon and just taps his helmet as if to say, ah, my radio's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's not. so good. And then there's sort of like a knock at the door, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> just my word. <laughs> Chewie just smacks him across the room. He does, then... he goes flying across the room. <laughs> I'm not doing that again. Honestly, I next you, it's got to be at least one Chewbacca impression every single week. There's one thing that I can't do. I can't do like a proper. I can't get the growl. Chewbacca oh. thing. I can't do it's, it. It's it's really hard to do. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. That was actually okay. That was a good one. Go. Um, so <laughs> Luke and Han addressed the stormtroopers, which we said is iconic. Um, now I've written this down just to brush over quickly. Um, three or four people in this um, in this film. Say Leah, not Leia. Is it Leah or Leia? It's Leia. Like maybe just and, um, maybe they just read the script wrong to start with. Honestly, go back and watch it. Like loads of people say Leah. I wonder if that was just people not. It's weird getting it when it, and then they were told afterwards, guys, we we can't really afford to reshoot it because budgets and we don't have the editing capability to change it. But it was Leia. Can you get it right next film, please? Yeah, get around the next film. Everyone thinks it's Leia, but it's actually Leia. Just thought I'd bring that up. Vader 
Um, so basically, Vader realizes that Obi Wan's on the ship, doesn't he? He can sense that Obi Wan yes. is also on the Death Star. Now he's talking to Grand Moff Tarkin, and he's like, um, he's like, "Don't send anyone. I'll face him alone." And yeah. so that just shows to me once again that from the Obi-Wan series, Vader is still obsessed with facing Obi-Wan on his own. He doesn't want anyone else to kill him. It has to be him. He's hell-bent on revenge. He is. It's all about him. It is. Um, And again, you just appreciate it so much more after the Kenobi series. Um, That's the mindset Vader has. It's Honestly, I'm going to say it again. This is the third time I've said it, but that Obi-Wan Kenobi series did such a good job of fleshing out Vader and making yeah. every single other film even better than before. Like, the, such, the a good comics are good. such a good job. The comics yes. are good, but for the live-action Vader, it helps. It does really, really help. Um, I've written down this because I appreciated it. Um, obviously, the film came out, did you say, 45 years ago? 45? Yes. Yes. 77. Um, yeah. Um, Leia is a great, strong female character for the time. Like, you watch films around that time, you don't have female leads. You don't have, like, really strong female characters who are, like, as prominent as the men or better. And this is a character who is better, more equipped, more knowledgeable, more intelligent than any of the characters in any scene that she's with. Yeah, I suppose they kind of place her as a damsel in distress kind of role in the sense that they're going to rescue her but she doesn't play that character in the sense that she's held prisoner but as soon as she's free she grabs a blaster she gets to work yeah it's great it's so good she's like it's and it's so refreshing to see because i i love older films like um last night me and my girlfriend we went to see um, a double bill of the old doctor who films um from Yes, with Peter Cushing from the 60s, who isn't actually counted as a Doctor. He's Um, not. It's not considered part of the actual Doctor Who canon, mm, is it? Yeah. I was reading about it the other day, and loads of people are annoyed because technically the one in the 90s, what's he called when he did the film? Paul McGann. Paul McGann. He's um, half Time Lord, half human, and none of the other ones are. No, that film's a bit strange as well. Um, Yeah. And he's I mean, they, and they keep messing so. up the Doctor Who storyline. Don't get me started on the Timeless Child and how there's actually been thousands of regenerations. So don't. Th- th- well, maybe we'll review Doctor Who one day um, in its entirety. <laughs> maybe I did. You know, what? I did actually think last night when I was watching those two films, um, I might actually go back and watch um, Eccleston, Tennant, and Smith series. Might just go back and watch them. Yeah, I'd give Capaldi a watch as well. There's some good stories, and some of the stories aren't the best, but his acting as the Doctor is incredible. Um, he's one of my favourites, for sure. Um, he's a great actor. He's a great yeah. actor just all around, anyway. He is. Um, well, you mentioned World War Z earlier, and a little... little oh, I know what you're going to say. I yeah, you, say. you do. He plays the Doctor, doesn't he, for the World Health Organization, the WHO, Doctor WHO, Doctor Who... He'd just been cast as it, hadn't he? He had been, as yeah. well. Yeah, so a little, little Easter egg in World War Z there for you. So good. Um, but yeah, what I was going to say, my original point, is I love older films. Um, I think the 1960s is my favourite era of filmmaking. I was just looking at yeah. like the films, and he's like, Spartacus, Yojimbo, like, 
those Doctor Who films, Jason and the Argonauts, like Clash of the Titans. It's like, it's just this sort of culmination of just sort of creativity within film and them trying new techniques and filming angles and special effects and science fiction. And like you get all the Western films as well, like all the Clint Eastwood Western films, like the Man With No Name trilogy, it's all there. And it's just such a seminal era of filmmaking and it's so good when we finish star wars and we start choosing other films <laughs> we're definitely going to be watching some films from the 60s so oh, buckle your bloody seatbelt up definitely there you go his seatbelt <laughs> is buckled um anyway <laughs> back to back to the old star wars the war in the stars um so basically leia hold up no no, I haven't skipped ahead. Um, Leia, um, I thought I'd skipped ahead. Um, I thought I'd skipped over Obi Wan versus Darth Vader, but no, um, that, I hadn't. That comes um, a bit later, doesn't it? Yeah, I did. I always forget that it comes really late. Um, so Leia um, is a great, strong female character, like I've said. Um, then they all get trapped in a big trash compactor. Um, Luke gets attacked by a weird squid thing, um, and I've written this down because I've never noticed this before. Luke and Leia both react the same way to Han shooting his blaster. They do, which I suppose is just a little hint, maybe, whether it was intentional or not, that they might be related. Um, I actually had a little, little, another little Easter egg to mention that happens just prior to this. When they go to rescue Leia from the cell before they go into the trash compactor, she, I don't know if, did you hear the number of the cell she was in? No, what was it? 2187. Was it? She was in cell 2187. Um, which is Finn's number, isn't it? FN2187 yes, in the sequence. Yes, it is. Now, I don't know if this is true. I assume it is. My friend Tristan, shout out to Tristan, who's also a massive Star Wars fan, knows a lot more about it than me, said that he believes 2187 is like a reference to one of George Lucas's earlier projects. So that may well be the case. Ah, but here's another right. little thing about 2187. You've got two numbers there, 21 tidbit. and 87. What number do you get? Quick maths for you. If you take 21 from 87. 21 from 87? Take 21. 87 minus 21. 66. Order 66. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, little, Whoa, little Easter egg there mind. for you. She's in cell 2187, um, which is, yeah, a little, little Easter egg there. You have blown my mind, and hopefully blown the respective audience's mind as well. <laughs> Blown it up, honestly. But yes, in the Get trash compact, brains <laughs> melted. In the trash compact, they do both react the same way. And my, I think my favorite thing is they eventually get it sorted, don't they? They they fix it, they and they stick the wedge in between, and then it shuts down or what have you. And then C three PO blessing thinks that he's killed them. <laughs> yes, he does. He he's he's like, oh god, they're dead. Um, but obviously, they're not because there's um two more films. Yes. <laughs> But they're cheering that he thinks it's some screaming as they get crushed. But no, yeah, and he's like, oh no, it's terrible. I can hear their screams. So, (laughs) oh no, R2, we're doomed. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Um, Then I've put, um, because we had to mention it, the um, stormtrooper banging his head on the door. Yes, the classic scene where he runs through and hits his head. (laughs) I'm so glad they left that in. Like, yeah, it's iconic. Again, it's that, that it's word. amazing, and they've even added a little. Dunk. I didn't notice that. Yes, if you listen to it, if you, it literally just got on YouTube, so they've not only left it in. No, that's so they added like a little. Dunk. Ah, there you go. 
Yeah, that's, to him that's hitting his Star Wars for you. They love the memes. They do love the memes. They all love all those bloody memes. Um, but now we've got to it. Um, Obi Wan and Darth Vader um, have a big bloody bus stop, don't they? They do. It's not as fast or as energetic as other. There is the fan-made uh, version of that scene, which just go on YouTube, type in fan-made. Is it scene forty-three? Yeah, it's, it's very um, good. Very good. Where they've like remade it with them moving quickly, and but I, I read that the idea behind the lightsabers at the start was that they were going to be really heavy, so they had to use them with two hands and move slowly. Until later on, they decided actually it's it's a lightsaber, partly because it's a beam of light, but also. It's quite light in weight. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, yes. That's why they're a bit slow, and obviously the CGI wasn't there so much. But it was it was nice to see them battling with each other. It was a pretty epic battle still. The it dialogue was, it was quite uh, good. It was, the dialogue, um, yeah, the, it was good. The dialogue was very good. Um, but I think I did mention it before where um, these films are heavily inspired by... Um, the Kurosawa films Seven Samurai and um, oh, what is the other one? Yojimbo. I did. I just mentioned it earlier on. Uh, they're heavily inspired by them, and the fighting style that they're fighting like with those lightsabers are like the way they fight in those films. It's very like sort of a samurai versus a samurai. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's very much like sword combat, like heavy sword combat. And it is. It's in- they're incredible. exchanging little blows at each other, like. <laughs> Now I am the master, only a master of evil, Darth. <laughs> it's just <laughs> little quips. <laughs> you are weak, old man. <laughs> Honestly, it's it is a it's. I think it's a nice ending as well for Obi Wan because it's yeah. sort of. Only thing that I don't like is where he's like, "Oh, I'll become more powerful than you could ever imagine." That goes nowhere, doesn't it? Yeah, he doesn't really become more powerful. I suppose he's able to like mentor Luke through the Force, as we see through the rest of the film. But he sees Luke and Leia together, doesn't he? He knows they're both safe. He's reunited them. And he's set Luke on a journey to hopefully fulfil his destiny. Um, and he just kind of accepts it, doesn't he? And is like, oh, I don't have to win this. <laughs> no, exactly. No, but <laughs> I, I, I like that way he's like, um, he's like, oh, I'll become more powerful than you can ever imagine. So I can just imagine... Um, Anakin just being in that Darth Vader suit and him just going, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I know what happens. Obviously. I've yeah. seen it before. Anyway, Obi-Wan dies. He gets snapped in half and he turns into little dust and he's just his clothes are on the floor. Um, then Luke's like, oh no, what's going on? Um, then, they, then they fly away. They go to Yavin 4 and all the rebels all agree. Like, like right, it's time to destroy the Death Star once and for all. And I've just written down three simple words. Sick space battle. It's really good, isn't it? They it's have a so good battle good. the Death Star. There's the the never-ending sort of trench that they go down. Um, and I, I sent you a little picture, didn't I, of something that I spotted in the film. And that happens during this scene. Uh, Do you remember yes, what I Yes, yes, you did, you? yes. So... Vader joins the battle, doesn't he? In his little spaceship. Yes, he does. He flies in. He's late to the game. Obviously, he um, he couldn't find the right speed. <clears throat> yeah, and he's <laughs> <laughs> late as always. He was there, um, and you can see 
through the lens of his helmet and you can quite clearly see an actor underneath it wearing some form of balaclava and you can see eyebrows. It's obviously like an editing mistake. I'm surprised it didn't get taken out of this version. I, I thought that'd be something that Lucas would have edited. Um, but I just thought it was quite cool. I found myself pausing like, oh, look, you can see underneath the helmet. And if it was any other film, I'd be mad at, I'd say it's lousy editing. But because it's so many years ago, I'm like, the, the efforts they must have gone through to make those lenses difficult to see into, but easy enough to see out of that you can still act for, for David Prowse. Um, I assume it's David Prowse in there at that stage. Who knows? It um, should be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, just, I just thought it was, oh, look, you can... So if, if you're unsure, go to the scene near the end when they're attacking the Death Star and Darth Vader's in his little TIE fighter or whatever it is. It's not quite a TIE fighter. It's like a modified version, isn't it? Yes, and it is. It's a um, tie. I want to say interceptor. I want to say it's an interceptor. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but you can see through his the lens to his to his actual eyes and his eyebrows, which we know. And eyebrows, which obviously, yeah, we yeah, we know. You can see it on gone. a number of occasions, and I thought that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It didn't break the immersion too much for me because I mean, you'd sent it me, and I sort of, sort of half remembered it before. Um, yeah, it's a great space battle. And the explosion at the end when the Death Star blows up is cr- absolutely cracking. I'm turning to Wallace from Wallace and Gromit right now. It's absolutely Ooh, cracking. It's cracking great. explosion, Luke. <laughs> oh, cracking proton torpedo. It reminded me of the seismic charges. That yes. You have. The, 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 um, I'm going to call it Slave One. I don't care. It's Slave One. It's Slave it's One. It's not Boba Fett's starship. But the seismic charges, the way they kind of make a, a disc, the Death Star blows up in like a, there's like a disc explosion, isn't there? Yes, it's great. And because Luke uses the Force, doesn't he, to guide his, he turns off his tracker, his computer, and use the Force, Luke, and he does, and manages to land it. And the animation when the rockets go in, or the torpedoes go in, they kind of go straight along and then just kind of like drop in like a, a basketball swishing into the basket, didn't they? It's like a slam yes. dunk. But obviously that's away. just Luke using the force, isn't it, to, yeah, to guide it in. in. Yeah, I love it. It's so flush. Um, and then we hear Grand Moff Tarkin say, you may fire when ready. And then, boom, <laughs> the Death well, Star well, explodes. We've got a classic, like it's like a... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> then like a little quiet moment and then... <laughs> it just great. Goes. And then Chewie doesn't get his medal. Yeah, um, and then that's it. That's the end of the film. Uh, yeah, so basically they all get medals, and for some reason, um, Chewbacca doesn't. Um, I haven't actually searched up why he doesn't, but I'm going to do that right now. I wonder if it's because Luke and Han were actually piloting ships, but Chewie would have piloted the Millennium Falcon with Han, wasn't mm. he? Right, why doesn't Chewie get a medal? Coming from the creator himself... George Lucas. This is in. This is on the eighteenth of March, twenty twenty-two. So this is the most recent info we've got. Um, coming from the creator himself, George Lucas has explained over the years that that Wookies don't put too much stock in awards and accolades. In Chewie's mind, he didn't help save the day because he would get anything out of it, but because it was the right thing to do. It's the same for Luke and Han, surely. Um, I know Han maybe not. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a Reddit thread here as well. Chewie didn't get a medal because his people don't value um, 
don't put value on such trinkets such as medals and awards, which is why he refused one before the ceremony. Oh, there we go. That makes more sense if he turned it down. Although I do yeah. like in the, the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga, the most recent one, there is a scene, isn't there, where Chewie finds a crate of medals. Yeah. And he, he jumps <laughs> on him and starts going, Aah! Yes, there is. <laughs> starts celebrating with them all. Um, but yeah, Chewie doesn't get his medal. Or, yeah, or turns and it down. And I didn't, I, obviously, um, there's like, obviously the famous quote from George Lucas, where it's like, it's like poetry, it rhymes, um, <laughs> with his strange frog neck. Um, sorry, George, <laughs> it is a strange frog neck. <laughs> no, this is nothing against George Lucas. He's a great guy, one of the smartest guys, um, but his neck is a bit toady. Um, <laughs> great stuff. I'm not complaining. I've got a gap in my front two teeth, so have that for self whatever um <laughs> just making fun of myself so it didn't seem as bad um the um that's it basically what i was going to say is i didn't recognize how much it sort of paralleled episode one with the medals at the end yeah it's where um whatever his name is brian blessed's like <laughs> so he does that thing with his jowls <laughs> and all the spit <laughs> yeah he does that and he shouts peace um yeah, I didn't really realise how much of a parallel it was. No, it, it does but I suppose each sequel kind of wait, sorry, each trilogy, the films kind of um maybe not. The the sequel kind of marries up to the the original trilogies and yeah, episode one, episode four. I suppose go with the formula that you know for starting off a new trilogy. Yeah. How does seven end? Seven ends with Ray finding Luke. Oh so yes, so maybe that doesn't, that doesn't rhyme. It do, that doesn't. But the rest of the film kind of follows the plot. We find someone on a desert planet who's not got parents. They go off to realise that they actually have some access to this ancient magic. We, yeah. we find a evil Mars protagonist who has a big spaceship that can blow up other planets, and then that big weapon, this planet, gets blown up by a team of people who want to throw over that overthrow that empire and <laughs> over the yeah it, it all follows the same kind of plot pretty much um but anyway that's that's the film it's a, it's a lovely happy ending filled with medals happiness joy um I, originally i don't think there was a plan for another one was there i think this, this was meant to be a one and done wasn't it yeah yeah absolutely but people loved it and obviously next week we're going to be hitting you up with um, Sister Act 2 back in the habit <laughs> if only weirdly weirdly enough why why are we doing that um, no we're, obviously we're doing um, Empire Strikes Back episode 5 which um, before Rogue One came out used to be my favourite one yeah I actually love that film my favourite line is it's over Luke the Empire has struck back ah that famous line yes and I also loved in this one when um, Luke was given a medal, and he went, "Luke Skywalker, you are a new hope." It was such yes. a, a poignant ending. It was so good. It's so good. Mm. Just like in in Stranger Things, when Eleven says to Vecna, "It's over, Vecna. I am the Stranger Thing." Ah, oh, honestly, <clears throat> it's my favorite thing when they say the name of the show. You know, like, in the, the show, the Leo, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. Yeah, <laughs> it literally is that. Honestly, like when uh, when that guy Ian has to go back to Mandalore, he becomes Mandalore Ian. 
Ah, so we've got Ian Beale. <laughs> Ian Beale. Ian Beale's Man- hiding on Mandalore. He is Mandalore Ian. Can you imagine? That's where he is. <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry, Phil. I just wanted to be the Mandalore Ian. Not the Albert <laughs> Square Ian. The Mandalorian. The Mandalore Ian. <laughs> I've got nothing left. <laughs> and he goes to McClunky. <laughs> yes. Oh, I feel now that we have proven that much like Spy Kids and Kill Bill are set in the same universe, Star Wars and EastEnders are in the same universe. I mean, you don't know who's under any of those clone helmets or Stormtrooper helmets. Phil Mitchell could be under any one of those. I think it's Heather Trot. <laughs> oh, my God. Every time I think of Heather Trot, I just think about... Um, Harry Hill's TV burp with <laughs> um, <laughs> with the sausages coming out of the yeah. clock. Yeah. Now, honestly, if anyone overseas is listening to this, you haven't got a clue what we're talking about, so you might as well just turn it off now. Um, basically, Harry Hill's TV burp used to be a TV show with a British comedian called Harry Hill, who used to be a doctor. And basically, loads of people in a team used to watch TV all week and everything and just find stupid bits in it for him to make fun of. And it was amazing. And they'd take him so out of context, wouldn't they? Um, yeah, it was so out of context and so oh. ridiculous. Just go on YouTube and search Harry Hill's TV burp I've and just, you will have fun. Absolutely do that. I've just realised. So I've been saying every week, perfect pour of the week. Oh my God. Can... I've it just is... clocked. I knew I'd heard that tune somewhere it's harry hill isn't it tv highlight of the week it is <laughs> i i can't i don't feel like i can't do that anymore we've been my... doing it every single week i'm thinking i'm sure i'm stealing this from somewhere it's harry hill isn't it and you're not changing it this is the harry we're hill reference it. we're keeping it this is the harry hill reference harry yeah so hill he did a tv of moment week. of the week didn't he <laughs> but he used to oh do really God. really stupid ones like ian bill getting his head flushed down the toilet of the week <laughs> <laughs> And then it used to be the person in the show just saying that line. Yeah. <laughs> he had was... Trevor Wagner when he had Wagner on it. But it was just yeah. someone in a blonde wig jumping out of a plane all the time. <laughs> yes. Oh, and that was the amazing thing. If it was like a random TV show, like a documentary or something, and it was just like a random person who owned like a bakery or <laughs> just someone who was on the news saying something stupid, at the end of the show, somehow... They actually got them on the show. They would do, wouldn't they? Like, and it was the actual person. I'm going to go back and watch TV Burp. It was something else. I might search it up tomorrow morning and just watch a few oh, TV Oh, binge burp. it. Nice. Um, anyway, that's been our TV. We've been talking about TV Burp for three minutes. We haven't. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, the music is playing we haven't right now. It, though, um, have we? Remember, you can follow us <laughs> on Instagram at The Babblers Guild. Um, we're on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you get your bloody podcasts. Next week we're doing... That's why I say The Phantom Menace. We're back to the beginning. Empire Strikes Back. Um, And until then, a goodbye. I'm going to have to stop the music, Luke. We forgot to rate it. What? We forgot to rate it. (laughs) It's the second time this has happened. Unbelievable. I didn't know whether to just leave it or say stop the music. Well, um, welcome back to the Babblers <laughs> Guild. Um, come in, take a seat, grab a drink, get comfortable um, <laughs> for the next minute. Um, I'm going to give it, uh, you know, I'm going to give it a zero. I think it's clean. Yeah, same here. <laughs> the music's playing. <laughs> music's playing. And like I said, we're uh, at <laughs> the quickest rating in the world. Like I said, um, we're going to be... Um, doing empire strikes back next week it's a great film 
Um, but I have one question to sign off, Jamie. Are you it. feeling hoth, hoth, hoth? I'm feeling hother than an earth herder. <laughs> what is this? Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. See ya.